0: Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Engel.
1: And I'm Mitch Bryan. And today we reach Minute 68, which begins with Brett remembering that he was looking for Jones and ends with Jones not giving a shit about Brett getting killed. (laughs) This is it in memoriam for Brett. Brett. Uh, And we welcome once again filmmaker and visual effects artist Bruce Brannett. Thanks, guys. Thank you for coming in for this most sacred moment. Let's get to it, shall
2: we? I guess this
0: this, this is the sacrifice that we've been talking about this week. This is the moment. Oh, Brett. We like Brett. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this episode, guys. Just bear with me. I get choked up.
1: Well, we begin with uh, another six seconds of his close-up. And uh, then this new shot, this low-angle, medium shot of him looking up as he walks away from the camera and the space above him once again. Is revealed, so we're paying lots of attention to the the scale of this space, and particularly the the upper regions of this
2: particular space. Yeah. And then we get we get a shot of Jones finally. Yeah, yay! I, I want to say right off, I'm not really a cat person, but I like I like Jonesy.
0: Jonesy's pretty cool. I like cats a lot. And Jones is one of the coolest <laughs> ones. Probably, I mean, the coolest movie cat, right? I mean, there's no other I can think of. But anyway.
1: I think it's interesting to mention at this point there's a book, apparently, that right. we've been trying to get a hold of that is this story told from the point of view of the cat.
0: <laughs> it is, yeah, it's called My Day uh, by Ian Bilson. I don't know where this book can be found. At one point in time, it was on Amazon, but now it's not anywhere, and we don't know what the story is. Do you think that's Wail and yutani trying I think, to... I think the company, mm. yeah. The company came in. Nipped
2: that shit in the bud. Mm-hmm. Or Jonesy's heirs.
0: Perhaps the, the Jones estate <laughs> shut it down. Um, no
1: life rights, so right. you can't tell the story from Jones' point of view. There are so many questions that could potentially be answered if we only knew how this went down from Jones's point of view. Yeah, yeah
0: because, because it is, there are questions here that, about Jones's response. He doesn't like Brett, and Brett doesn't like him, right? I mean, that's pretty much established. I mean, Brett kind of cusses at the cat that he even has to be looking for him. I think Jones likes Ripley. I think that's about it. That's the only person that we see any connection so with. So they should
1: have so. sent her out after the cat. Of
0: course. I mean, there you go again. There's Ripley mm. should have probably been the one doing this. She would a gotten the cat quickly cuz Jones would have come right to her. <laughs> B, she would have known to look up.
2: <laughs> and, so, then, and then the cat would have ran right out of those doors in that long shot in <laughs> yep. the scene. Who would have wound up in the shuttle at the end then?
1: I want to say Lambert. Yeah. I want oh. to give it to Lambert. I oh, wish. Oh, I wish I Lambert to be this would have great story away. of Lambert coming to this incredible place of power.
0: Well, I don't know.
1: True just poetic justice, much. but it's not going to happen. No. But, yeah, I,
0: I kind of wonder if the, re- the reaction of Jones here is that at first he's happy to see Brett. I think basically what we have here is a cat running scared. The cat probably has encountered this alien already.
1: Probably watched the transformation. Might you know? have watched
0: the trans. That's what I hope is in that book. I mean, I wouldn't so. that
1: be, that should be the centerpiece of the <laughs> book, I would think. But, I was um, about to crouch on this tiny little penis thing <laughs> and suddenly it sprouted jets out of its skin, back and a tail got big and it just grew in front of me and I ran and hit. The skin peeled off and ran Yeah. It looked to me as if it were going to attack me and then I heard, Jones? Yep. Jonesy.
0: And I was like, it's that
2: damn Brett. Ugh. Ugh, this has got to be the guy. Where's, to save where's, me? where's my friend? First Ripley? this thing climbing on my chains. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> now this guy. So I think I think the choice of the cat on a on a I mean going back to seventy nine, having a cat on board a spacecraft I think is is fascinating as far as just another character, and a cat being a predator, just matches so well against it. It's just it's a really interesting concept to have this cat watch a kill silently and just kind of back away going okay. All yeah. right, I know what's going on. I mean, you can read so much into the cat's expression because it is this predator. It's not a dog. A dog would have a completely different take on this, but being a cat with this ultimate, this story is about an ultimate predator, so it's it's just a, a perfect placement, and especially to be our f- first witness of the true alien form who survives. It's not going to be the same reaction as a dog would have. No, There's but- something about the
1: impassive cat because we all know how cats are. Yeah. Sometimes they give a shit. Sometimes they don't. Most of the times they don't.
0: I mean, if, if you know, I love cats. I have two of them. If but if they give a shit, it's to their benefit. It's not because they love you. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about. That.
1: Oh, you probably invoke the wrath of all sorts of people. <laughs> no, now. I'm not.
0: That's <laughs> not always true. I mean, but what I'm getting at is that we have a pretty much an empathyless animal and another empathyless animal. Oh,
2: I don't know though. I because I, I, I mean the cat hisses. Before we've really seen it, so we're like uh oh mm-hmm. um in some ways when it, it it has this fascination after the kill where it's yeah. looking at this other predator which is in some ways kind of the way Ash almost acts further down the road where he sees something it's almost they they kind of behave in this very similar way where it's like respect yeah <laughs> no that's what I'm saying yeah, I yeah, don't think yeah. that
0: Jones doesn't give a shit about Brett getting killed. No, it's right, exactly. Way. And the hissing is it to its benefit. I think yeah. it's hissing because it's in danger.
1: Better him than me. And then when yeah. it
0: finds out, when Jones finds out that it's Brett that's the target, it goes, Jones goes, oh, okay, cool. Somebody else will change my letter. It'll be fine. <laughs> Let's watch this. Oh, that's interesting. If, if I could nice. do that, I might've done that a couple of times. You know, uh, I really extendable think
2: extendable jaw. That's yeah. what I need. Oh, if I, only,
0: well, maybe a few thousand years of evolution will give me one of those. <laughs> but yeah.
1: Well, we do go then from this, you know this shot of Jones watching Brett first when he first sees him. This non-reaction, you know, and then, then we're looking at Brett from a somewhat low angle. So maybe we've got uh, Jones' point of view at this point. Of, this in is the where movie, the book came from, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, and that thing drops down behind it. And what's so from I mentioned in the previous minute? What I think is so interesting is the first thing that comes down looks like a tentacle, mm-hmm. and so you conjure up all sorts of gooey things, at least I do, I think octopus and I think, Mm -hmm. you know and then the rest of that bulk comes down and there's some interesting games being played with the depth of field, how much of it we can see when we're looking at it with Brett in the foreground I think the first shot you can see less than the second shot Mm because we go back to reaction from from Jones and then back to Brett
2: and you can see a little bit more of it behind him. Mm -hmm. Right, and it's a great expectation it plays off your expectations where you've seen the shed skin so I think as an audience, you're expecting an interim, mm-hmm. like a medium size, like maybe a dog <laughs> size. Yeah. And so when that thing comes down and stands up in that shot, it's it's overwhelming. And it's exactly what it's intended to be. And the way it drops down is great, too, because it's, there's nothing human about it.
1: It's a very mechanical, spider-like kind of drop, yeah. which is in the, just keeping that whole agenda of trying to not make it look like a guy in a suit
2: yeah
0: and the sound design is great like you're saying there's like the sound when it hits it's a little bit
1: mechanical but there's also a enough of a thud there to give it a lot of weight so we know it's big those two shapes that you see then after that tentacle one is this weird torpedo kind of shape right Mm -hmm. and then then there are these fourth these things that are sticking up behind it yeah which i never really know what those things are does yeah. anybody I don't have either. a guess? I, I they had look the, like dinosaur spines. I had
2: the alien model where you just built the yeah. little model. It wasn't articulate. Maybe its arms moved. But it had the action jaw with extendable second pair of jaws. Yeah, And those four things out the back, always to me, they're kind of, they're almost like little jets, like little breathing tubes of some sort. They're, mm. There's actually a vent inside them. They look. They look oh, like. Is. They almost look like uh, okay. undersea mounts where the smoke comes out. Huh. Um, there are four little vent tubes that stick out. I wonder if it.
0: Hmm. Oh, we could go probably really deep on this as far as the evolutionary, you know, purposes behind different parts of the alien. But I wonder if breathing is an issue with the alien. If this is like a filtration system, yeah, or something. In- intake,
1: yeah. Or, intake or output. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I guess it like a nautilus, the animal. The nautilus has those sure. weird. Um, kind of venty things yeah because i was
0: going to say something about water but there's no evolutionary reason for water because we know the connection this cat or this alien has is strictly to humans as far as the dna there's no reason to have gills or anything like that but perhaps because it's alien um it has to be able to adjust to any environment as far as breathing and maybe oxygen isn't it's number one or maybe if even if it is it wants to evolve and be ready to be on any kind of a in sure. any condition. So. Uh,
2: talking about the alien and the design of the alien and the history of the alien and the evolution of the alien. Since this is the first time we see the alien, at least its body somewhat and certainly its head or so-called face. You know, how much of alien is because of the design of the alien? That's what I've, I it It's such a beautiful creature. And it's so unlike anything we've ever seen before. How does that affect the popularity and the longevity of this movie? I mean, without it, it's a great movie. It's still a great movie, but you know, you talk, you talked in a previous on a previous day about images you're taken with. Everybody can close their eyes and see the alien. Mm-hmm. There's just there's something about the metal teeth dripping with goo, the 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 kind of glassy dome across the head. You know, the thing stands up straight and it's a capital letter T. You know, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's right. not much to it in that respect, talking about forms and silhouettes. But when you really get into the details from, you know, H.R. Giger's designs, it's really, really unprecedented. I think the fact that it doesn't
1: have any eyes is really interesting. Yeah. And almost, I don't think it. I ever really thought about that for the longest time, that it was missing eyes. I don't know why that never, I never cognizized it. Um but that makes it instantly alien.
0: Yeah, so that's that's the whole thing. I think the you're right. Your your assumption, your what you're asserting here is that what really takes this movie over the top is this design, right? And I think that's absolutely right. Honestly, it's a great script. It's shot well. It's a wonderful horror movie on a, on a ship. The iconography of it is the alien. That's what we think about. Right. And the fact that they were Able to and willing to go so alien with it, like not having the eyes, having these me- biomechanical aspects that nobody had seen before. All of this stuff, like that, this moment is such a of Why I think this moment is so important to yeah. be such a strong yeah. reveal is that it gives the audience this pause. And, you know, in 1979, Mitch, I'm sure you went, what the fuck? That is the craziest looking thing I've ever... Nothing like it ever yeah. before. I, I want to see more of it. I, I didn't get it. to see it
2: enough.
1: What does that look like? Yeah. And I think it, the fact that they concentrate so heavily on, on the head design and these these this minute, that's great too because you don't have to default to a guy in a suit because what you're really spending all of your time looking at is this thing which is not a guy in a suit, which yeah. is this Carlo Rambaldi built this fully articulated headpiece that, everything moves and the lips curl back and and then there you know then there's all this the spit and the water and stuff coming off of its you don't know what whether it's spit or whether it's water coming down from the top that we've already set up yeah. so it's so it's on one hand it's dripping
2: and it's got a set of teeth and it opens them up to kill you and what's inside another, another set, set of teeth, teeth.
1: right yeah <laughs> and then and the glistening of the of the of the dome of the head you know mm-hmm. it's it's just it's just extraordinary and what a great move to throw all in on that part of the anatomy for this scene and
2: frankly make the audience wait to see more yeah. of it and I think and it I sell think it on something that's really spectacular on a design level too. It's like the perfect storm. If you look at the original drawings of Giger's, there's like a skull inside that glass dome, like yeah. more human skull. There's a lot of things that are, you know, way more overtly sexualized. Um, and you kind of have this thing where it's, it's like star Wars. If, if, Lucas could have made the movie he wanted to make exactly, it just wouldn't have worked. So so here, it, or it would have been terrible. Be, but he was held back by technology, and here you have the same thing, where in realizing these designs, they're actually improved, and then through Ridley Scott's hands, choosing how to shoot them, it even becomes more than that. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Rimbaldi made a skull head, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah so, and it's
1: got a cowl that kind of fits over the top of it, right. but we never... That's never revealed, you can't and they see kind of. It. What Rimbaldi said in one interview, he gave um, Ridley Scott a hundred options, and he only used twenty of them. Right. So I don't know whether that's a begrudging kind of attitude that it could do so much more, and he never, and he never did it. But they seem well, to make the right choices all along.
0: Do doing more would have been the wrong thing here, like you're saying, Bruce. That that skull would have been a bridge too far. I think it would. have been, I understand what they're trying to get at. What they're saying is. It's kind of got a human skull because it has human DNA. It's kind of telling that story of the alien's evolution for you, visually. Don't need it. that. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. I like it, talking about that
2: here. But in a great way, this was almost like you know a movie that created this after-the-fact fan base, yeah. where you had to go under the movie to even really understand how it's combining DNA. And you have to go, oh, wait, now I get it. Let's watch it again.
0: Yeah, and in that this is the most mysterious thing in the movie, probably, like how this thing works, we get We literally get a dissection of the facehugger. We see, like, the chestburster has the one purpose, why its name is chestburster, because that's what it does. It bursts out of chest, runs away, and becomes something else. This one, we got to ask questions. we got to go, what? How did it get to be this way? Like, who designed this? This is so brilliant. And as you go down that rabbit hole, you become a cult movie. Like, that's what happens. Like, people, the more magazines you're reading, the more documentaries you're watching, the more you want to rewatch it to get that information reconfirmed in your mind. That's how cult movies happen, and that's, I think... We're back to it. This alien might be what is this design, the xenomorph, as they end up calling it, mm-hmm. might be the reason this movie has the popularity it has.
1: Well, and to dig a little more deeply into that perfect storm theory of yours, the fact that the initial concept of this thing is truly extraterrestrial because Giger had already come up with this idea, with this shape, mm-hmm. and it had nothing to do with alien. It had nothing to do with anything except H.R. Giger's unconscious, you know? And the fact that Ridley Scott was shrewd enough to say, "Yeah, that's that's what we're gonna do," it makes it wonderfully disconnected. And yet, then they say, "Okay, so come in and make a working version of this and connect it back up to our movie." It's yeah. it's kind of great. I yeah. mean, it's a stroke of pure luck.
0: Yeah. And, and we've talked about this before, and we'll probably talk about it again. That uh, Ridley Scott's number one problem with making this movie what his number one concern was was this man in the rubber suit idea and the fact that Giger could bring him this thing that fits so perfectly and that he felt comfortable with it and he figured out how to shoot it and and crew figured out how to put it all together again I mean if Giger or if Scott's fears were uh correct if this doesn't come off the whole movie sucks and so then again we're back to (laughs) this thing this design this perfection of a of a design is what made this movie work in the first place. So it all comes back. It's a really good question to spawn this conversation, but yeah, I do think that this thing is the center of this movie's popularity.
1: I would probably aim everybody, if they haven't seen this stuff already, to the found objects section on our website where there's a reprint of an article that was in Cinefantastique with an extensive interview with uh, Carla Rambaldi, but with lots and lots of visual sketches that kind of show the evolution of this thing and so it's really worth a look if you're interested in in really in design of anyway whether you're interested in special effects design or not just the sheer um design metamorphosis that you get to see in these drawings and these paintings is really pretty impressive
0: yeah Yeah, i'm also going to go ahead and guess that somebody on our facebook listeners page is going to post a bunch of really good stuff to look at too it's also (laughs) a really good resource to get this background information as a lot of our listeners are really coming through with some great stuff yeah, that we don't you, even end up if, talking about. If
1: you haven't gone to the Facebook listeners page, you have to ask us to to join because yeah. um, so, we wanted to prevent some spamming and stuff. Mm. But there's stuff coming up on that thing that's arguably better than this podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's really incredible, the stuff that people are posting. So, yeah, head over there. It's, it's worth a look.
0: All right. Well, there's uh, another director's cut change that we have here. So- I mean are we saying goodbye to Brett is there anything more should well, does anybody want to say any words for Brett
2: I found something that someone somewhere may find interesting in the final the kill shots of Brett right you know he gets the extendable mandible right through the logo of the hat and the close up of that shot the alien is holding his head yeah, yeah you can see as hands. if having already lifted him into the air so it seems to be that that shot was trimmed or cut down and this is in both cuts Mm -hmm. but uh if you look at the close-up it's holding his head and then he's dropped or pulled up pulled up higher again but uh it comes off in the edit as a one two three turn around smile you're dead without the alien reaching forward and actually pulling brent down which is good because that shot is so disorienting anyway just the way that it sort of
1: pops in and pulls the meat out and it's only four or six frames. Yeah. It's super, super fast. But uh, wow, that's on a big screen in a movie theater. That shot is nuts. And I remember as a kid getting that uh, photo novel that has all the clips. And I think there was one. There was a mm. still of that, and we were very excited because look, look, <laughs> I thought I saw that. It went so fast.
0: Well, I would say that yeah, there's there's at least stills of him being held up. Yeah. Um, I've seen out there um I would say we've just taken a good long moment to really look at the alien get the head design at least like take that all in and see this incredibly alien thing that we've never seen before that's very terrifying and then I like the disorienting factor of how quickly it kills him and takes him away and you yeah. don't really know what happened um I like that because this is really the first this is the first kill I mean we lost Kane to the burster, of course. But that was very clear how that worked. You know, we're in a well-lit room and it comes right through and we take a long time to take that in. Here, I like that we we need to start now. The hunt has begun. Mm. And we need to start by being really confused about how it did this. Like, what did it do? So it shot that thing through his head and it took him away. Is it going to eat him? Is it going to do what? And I like the less you see of that, the better. You need a nice visceral moment with the puncture of his head. And I like in the original cut, to get back to the director's cut that we were leading into... I like that they cut away to a horrified Parker and in the director's cut though, we don't, we get Wait, Brett- a
1: horrified Parker or horrified Brett,
0: horrified Parker after Brett's taken away. We oh, cut oh, to oh, at the end.
1: Yeah. Before we jump that, let me just say one thing. I sure. just wanted, I forgot. I just wanted to say something about that shot. The first reaction shot that Harry Dean Stanton gives when right. he sees it has this shadow that comes across his face, like this long fingers and, at least that's what I see when mm-hmm. I look at it. And I always think of Nosferatu. And I think mm-hmm. one more time, the movie is asserting its gothic sensibilities. Right. Uh, but I just wanted to add that. But now we can go on. You here.
0: know what, though? I, now that you're adding things, just you just want to add something. I just want to add something, <laughs> too. And this is going to come up later. I mean, I've already heard about it a little bit. So it will come up later. I just want to point out that Brett is faced with certain death here. And he doesn't do anything either. All right, so lay <laughs> off Lambert, guys. This is a future note. I want to make sure because oh right, I, I want to make sure that about. we take this into mind now because Lambert takes a lot of shit for her behavior when she's confronted by the xenomorph, and nobody ever says anything about Brett. Brett also does. The That's because we're
1: so busy right. drinking in our first impression of this thing, that the last thing that
2: we're really concerned about is the fact that Brett's not doing anything, because we're too busy trying to look at this thing. Yeah, we're not educated on what we're looking at either, so we're probably sitting in the theater with the exact same expression except for Dean Stanton. Not to mention that the best film acting is often not doing anything,
1: and Harry Dean Stanton said something about how he didn't know how to react to this. And it wasn't until after the movie was done that he realized what choice he should have made. Mm-hmm. I think whatever choice he's making right there, even if it's no choice at all, mm-hmm. is the perfect choice.
0: And, and I want to point out, too, this is the second time Brett has seen an alien and not reacted.
1: Oh, that's facially. true. In the, <laughs> the guy
0: scene, it's just, just like, goes, <laughs> huh, ain't that, a, ain't that a sight? You know, is basically his reaction. But honestly, it's you're right. This scene where... Serves a different function than the Lambert scene later, but if we're making character judgments, that's what's happening with Lambert a lot. Is people are making this character judgment on her. Why don't you guys just she's go a get her room? Listen, <laughs> I'm going to defend her. Okay, <laughs> she. What I'm basically all I'm saying is she's no different. Everybody gives him a pass and crucifies her for her inaction. But so anyway, we do get though Brett, after having done nothing to save himself, is taken up into the chains leaving into the landing claw leaving area.
2: just one witness at least yeah. in the theatrical cut in the theatrical cut which we is get jonesy Jones. and the sound kind of dies and you hear rattling chains
0: and jonesy and going out. huh uh-huh that's interesting well in the director's cut we cut away we cut to parker and brett parker and ripley excuse me running into the room having heard his uh brett's death cries i guess they went on a little bit longer in the director's cut as well. And um, they run into the room and look up and they get a, a little glimpse of the alien and Brett going up. Yeah. and uh,
2: We don't see a POV of that. We don't see a POV of that, but we, just get, th- we get
0: enough in frame that we know they saw it. And then we get their reaction as they stand there and look up and say, what the fuck did we just see? Then we get some bloody water dripping down, some some old fashioned horror movie blood, bloody drops coming down, and Parker drops the uh, the cattle prod, and then we cut away. Well, then we cut to Jones's reaction, and then we cut to Parker um, being terrified. Um, yeah, in the control in room. the control room. And so, what do we make of this cut uh, or this addition?
2: Well, I the question I always had with the theatrical cut is. Parker asserting that thing was huge and talking about how it dragged him away, and it made me always question. You know, did they see it? How could they have seen it? Well, they clearly they didn't see it because the scene winds down on Jonesy, um, but and this kind of answers that question, not in a very satisfying way, because I don't think it answers the answer is a question within the context of the movie. But uh, it's more of a leftover line from the scene that was ultimately cut. Mm-hmm. So it satisfies me with that but uh, i don't think we need to see them see it. Yeah, i think it's better without it
0: it's too bad that they didn't I and mean, with all the adr going on in this movie of that they couldn't have just had him say that thing must've been huge <laughs> you know <laughs> like any cuz one little word would have made that line must've. <laughs> must've been huge
1: well see i well we'll get there in the next minute but i always thought that that was the implication anyway yeah. i never thought he saw it you know me I too never i just figured yeah. if it's big enough to grab brett
2: and take him away it must be yeah. huge. He's in fact, I mean, he says it twice emphatically. Yeah, that he, no, no, that no, you're thing right. was huge. You're, you're right. You're it's,
0: right. The size of it, I mean, we'll get to it in the next minute. Besides being very distraught at the death of his friend, the size of it seems to be one of the things that's shaken him up the most, which makes sense for Parker. That would be the, well, the menacing thing to a guy like Parker would be shocking. something bigger than him. It
1: should be shocking to everybody considering what sh- size it was the last time they saw it. Right. Of yeah. course.
0: And, and, but that's particularly because this is this next minute is Parker's minute i mean we're, he's getting de- he's getting tight close-ups we're getting him a big change in his character where he's been cool he's been swaggering around and now we're going to get the the classic holding the shaky coffee cup like distraught <laughs> scene so i think it makes sense to me this that scene makes sense to me like you said bruce in the, the continuity um it would have helped a little but i I'll, i will sacrifice that continuity for skipping that beat any day because you're right Mitch I never thought about it either really until I started scrutinizing it like this I never missed it I took the assumption I took it as given that he's just saying it must have been just given the circumstances it just must have been huge yeah
2: yeah I mean both Parker and Ripley are so on board with the reality of what it is there's no speculation and the and the theatrical cut is it's very it's it's left to speculation that there are no witnesses Mm -hmm. this the way the sound dies down but But uh, another thing that was interesting about that is in the in the director's cut, um, you end with Parker being covered with blood showering down similar to the way uh, Brett was bathing in the water earlier, which foreshadows that in a way. But we jump to the next scene in the control room and there's no blood on him. So it it could have also been a continuity error that fell in there that also backed up the reason to want to drop that. I have a theory about that, but you're going to have to wait till tomorrow to get that theory.
0: I, I do have one more. There is one possibility that we haven't considered here about how they got this information. Um, we really don't know how deep Ripley and Jones's relationship goes. Perhaps Ripley got this information from Jones. Perhaps Jones said, "Okay, Rip, check it out. That thing was huge, and <laughs> it's in the air ducts." And that was it. And you know, we—I just don't know. You know, once the, again, we really have close. to look
1: to Ann Bilson's book. Yeah, I'm to thinking find that, that that might out. be in so, there. So you know, the challenge is out there, folks. Let's see if we can find Ann Bilson's book, My Day. I hear she's on Twitter. Maybe you should tweet. We've
0: reached out. We've reached out. We'll see if we hear back. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all I got.
2: That's it for me. This was great, guys. All
0: right, Bruce, you want to tell us once more where you can be found on the internet?
2: Uh yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at at B-R-A-N-I-T-F-X, uh, or on my website, Brannett.com.
0: You can find us at alienminute.com. Follow us on Twitter at Alien Minute Pod or on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow for minute number 69.